The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jarami, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national breaking and headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress and other high-profile public figures. After the news today, my special guest is Lindsey Carlson, who is the president of the Heart of LA Democratic Club. This is Lindsay's um, probably fourth time on the show. Uh, We're going to talk about the recall of Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, as well as the newest surge in COVID-19 cases, and believe it or not, 2022 elections, uh, and a lot more, so stay tuned. Here are some headlines. The Republican-backed effort to recall Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom is now in its final phase as ballots arrive in the mailboxes of every registered California voter for the September 14th special election. According to a new CBS News poll, 78% of Republicans say they will definitely vote, while 73% of Democrats say they will definitely vote. Republican voters are also more motivated to cast ballots than Democrats. The poll found that many Registered voters, 54% think Newsom should not be recalled, compared to 46% who think that he should. Among likely voters, the gap narrowed to 52% against the recall, compared to 48% who support it. Since the fall of the Afghanistan government, Pentagon officials uh, said Saturday they continue to process evacuees from Afghanistan despite a fluid and dynamic situation at the Kabul airport. There are still 5,800 U.S. troops on the ground in Afghanistan and 17,000 people evacuated in the last week. With the continued spread of the more infectious Delta variant, health and elected officials warned that hospitals across the nation are reaching critical levels of COVID-19 patients, especially in areas with lower vaccination rates, such as in the South. Louisiana has seen an astronomical number of COVID-19 cases during the latest surge, according to Governor John Bell Edwards, as infections are increasing, particularly among younger populations. And Kansas Governor Laura Kelly said more people in the state were admitted to the hospital on Wednesday than any other single day. Nearly everyone in ICU for COVID-19 is unvaccinated, and six of the state's largest hospitals are at 100% capacity for ICU beds, she said. It's clear, listening to Dr. Hubbard and Dr. Schlachter, that the situation in Kansas is cause for real concern. Over the past several weeks, COVID-19 cases and related hospitalizations of Kansans of all ages have risen exponentially. It shouldn't be like this, but COVID-19 infections are more rampant today than they were before the vaccine was available. Not surprisingly, nearly all the people admitted to our ICUs with COVID-related issues are unvaccinated. Our healthcare system is being stretched to the max. Our counties are running low on resources to fight the virus. 
Just yesterday, Shawnee County issued its own state of emergency declaration. Officials there don't have the resources they need to control the spread. I expect that other counties are feeling the exact same pressure, as are hospitals. At six of the largest hospitals in Kansas, ICUs are at 100% capacity. Two-thirds of the beds in those ICUs are filled with COVID-19 patients. Other hospitals across Kansas are perilously close to maximum capacity. I learned Wednesday night that more COVID patients had been admitted to our hospitals on that day than on any other single day since the pandemic invaded Kansas. These patients are younger and they're sicker than those infected pre-vaccine availability. More than 200 million people in the U.S. have received at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine, which is roughly 60.4% of the total population, according to CDC data Friday. And 51.2 are fully vaccinated. 24 states have fully vaccinated more than half of their residents. Los Angeles County surpassed 25,000 deaths from COVID-19 this week as health officials grow increasingly worried about the upcoming winter. The county also reported 3,239 new cases. There are 1,790 COVID-19 patients in local hospitals, with 23% of them in ICU. The state of California has reported nearly 4.1 million cases since the start of the pandemic, with more than 64,000 deaths. Health officials say COVID-19 boosters for the general public won't be widely available until late September. Plus, you should wait eight months after your second shot. The timing would mean that healthcare workers and long-term care residents would be the first in line. People 12 and up who have compromised immune systems can get a third shot of an mRNA vaccine right now. In this case, that additional shot is called a third dose. For those who are not immunocompromised, boosters are intended to help protect against the highly contagious Delta variant, which has caused caseloads across the U.S. to surge. The Blunt Post with Vic. Lindsey Carlson is the president and co-founder of the Heart of LA Democratic Club, the first Los Angeles county-wide Democratic Club with the primary purpose to elect feminist candidates and advocate for issues of importance to women. She is an appointed delegate to the California Democratic Party and an elected member of the Los Angeles County Democratic Party. She currently works in private practice as internal counsel for a major international law firm and is a member of the board of the National Association of Women Lawyers. Hey, good morning, Lindsay. Thank you for being on the show this morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am well. I'm well. Um, curious about uh, your thoughts on all that's happening and uh, your insights about uh, politics in SoCal, in, in LA, in California, in the nation, uh, with so many different uh, things on the, on the ballot and, uh, you know, recalls and this and that. It's good to uh, get an expert's opinions. So, um, you know, I'm just going to go right into it and say, you know, we're, I feel like we're in this sort of strange limbo kind of a place right now. 
yeah. where we thought we were sort of transitioning out of COVID, but then we've caught, you know, we've gone back into it. And a lot of the issues that we've been dealing with in the last year and a half have sort of come out. And then in, in the meantime, it's sort of mixed up with all of our sort of, you know, our progress of where we're going with this, uh, just both nationally and locally. So what is your perspective on where we are? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true. Um, you know, here we are um, almost late August of 2021, and we're still talking about COVID-19, right? Yeah. And we're probably still going to be talking about it going into 2022. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody is basically just over it at this point. You know, and we definitely saw a light at the end of the tunnel this spring with um, all the vaccination rollout and you know, the rates coming way down. And um, I actually got to see my parents for the first time in about a year and a half. And they got to see their only grandson, who, who the yeah. last time they saw him was when he turned two and then he was three and a half <laughs> the next wow. time. So quite, quite a bit different, um, you know, and that was late June, early July. And it looked like we were really coming out of this. And then, you know, we all got hit by the Delta variant, which, you know, bigger, badder version of uh, COVID. And, um, you know, we're kind of, I mean, we're definitely not back to square one. You know, it's great that we have such great vaccination rates in Los Angeles and, and in California in general. And then also just generally good compliance with uh, masking and social distancing and stuff. So I think that's prevented us from having the same fate as Florida and Texas and some of the other southern states in particular. Um, but, you know, it's it's kind of a bummer. And, um, you know, especially for those of us who are parents of young children who are not vaccinated yet and probably won't be until I think they're saying midwinter or something now is when they're expecting FDA to authorize uh, the vaccine for children under the age of 12. So we're all just kind of hanging loose, trying to not get COVID right? (laughs) Um, and also trying to get back to some some semblance of normal again. Um, So, yeah. What what do you think is the biggest challenge right now with COVID and, you know, with so many people resistant to vaccinations and, and, um, you know, so much disinformation out there about vaccination? Where do you see like the biggest weakness? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really tough, right? And I'm certainly no expert in this space, Um, not a public health person, but just as a a general observer of society, um, it seems like there's a couple of different categories of people who are resistant to the vaccination. Um, There's the people who are anti-vaxxers, right, never want to get it and think their immune system is just fine and, you know, that there must be some sort of, like, you know, microchip or, you know, substance in the vaccination (laughs) that, you know, they can't put in their body, so... Um, there's those folks. And then there's the, well, I, and I guess you could say you could also lump the people who are just sort of anti-government into that side as well. Um, you know, and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because a lot of their heroes in government, you know, Trump and a lot of the Republicans, they're vaccinated. So, you know, I don't right. know why they're not following suit. But in any event, so you have those folks who are just resistant. Um, and I think they can really only be convinced with um, the stick at this point as opposed to the carrot, right? You know, like by banning people from indoor venues if they're not vaccinated you know they can't fly on planes they can't go to movies you know things like that that actually make it a little bit painful for them and then of course you have communities that are just a little bit you know not trusting of the vaccine at this point and i think there have been some really good public information campaigns in that regard we have a lot of um you know community leaders who've come out made PSAs and, you know, gone um, into neighborhoods and made appearances. And I think, you know, slowly but surely, I think we'll get there with um, with people who I think are just sort of in good faith, um, not sure yet about the vaccine. 
But, you know, I think with the Delta variant coming out and people getting it and we're, you know, of course, hearing stories of people in the hospital and dying and everything, um, you know, that it does seem like that the vaccination rate has gone up again, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into this whole recall thing that's happening in California. And at first, I want to say this is just my opinion that uh, California is a state where Republicans have a really hard time getting elected. Okay, and I feel like these recalls is their way of sort of pushing and bullying themselves into California to get into public office. And that's what's happening with uh, uh, Governor Newsom. So I think we should talk about Governor Newsom and the the recall effect, you know, effort that's happening right now. And uh, it's pretty serious. And I hope that uh, Democrats and not just Democrats, but anyone who... Uh, who wants to see him finish the job and who Mm -hmm. wants to not see him be recalled for uh, absurd and uh, unfair reasons will uh, get out and vote. Um, Right. What are your thoughts about the the recall of Governor Newsom? Well, I think I think you're absolutely right. This is, you know, a, a power grab by a very small minority in California that has no chance at this point of ever getting elected to statewide office in a regularly scheduled election. So they're trying to cheat, you know, and this is a, a great way to cheat is by, you know, having a off cycle recall election where basically the, the primary driver is rage. Right. You yeah. know? Um, I mean, like people who are going to return their ballots, the angry people are definitely doing that, you know, so like. Those of us who are not, you know, super angry with Newsom or even, you know, um, I mean, if you if you like him, that's great. Like, definitely, you know, obviously vote to keep him. But even if you're not necessarily a huge fan of Newsom himself, um, you know, I think what we really need to remember is this is not just about one man. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about the issues that we care about. It's about the environment. Uh, it's about reproductive justice public health, you know, as we were talking about the, the coronavirus, um, all the Republicans running, they're all anti-masking rules and um, anti-vaccine requirements, um, you know, and I think it's really also about standing up for democracy, right? Um, you know, the sort of most uh, potentially catastrophic thing that could occur is um, if we were to lose one of our two U.S. senators, I guess, you know, we have a 50-50 balance in, in Washington right now, and the Democrats have the majority just because we have Vice President Kamala Harris uh, to break the tie there. If we were to lose one of our senators and that person were to be replaced by a Republican, mm-hmm. um, that would return control of the Senate to Mitch McConnell. You know? Yes, and back a lot to of a us nightmare. Fought, yeah, yeah, exactly. And we fought very, very hard against that. So, you know, like I said, I mean, you don't, you you need to, you know, everybody needs to vote no on the recall, right? But, you know, whatever gets you there, whatever gets you to that no position um, you know, that's, that's what matters the most. It's not, you know, it's not really about saving Newsom. It's about all the values that we hold, you know, in common here and keeping the governorship in democratic hands. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Governor Newsom. I'm, I've been a fan of him since he was mayor of San Francisco when he did what's considered, you know, career suicide, when he started to marry, uh, say, um, same sex, same gender couples, which sort of led the way to uh, marriage equality in California and then Prop 8 and all of that. I think that was so audacious and that was something that very exceptional leaders do. But I also admire him for other reasons. But he's had some missteps, I think. I don't think that he took care of EDD and the mess that EDD has been for the last year and a half well. But it's certainly not a reason to recall him. 
But my fear is, I wonder what you think, is Democrats are a little too comfortable about this recall. I feel like we're not galvanized enough when the other side is pretty <laughs> enraged, as you said, you know, and yeah. uh, we need to we need to get people to realize the consequences. Yeah, I mean, I think that's happening now. I, I would say, you know, a couple months ago, I, I would 100% agree with you. I think people were just assuming that we were going to win this, um, you know, in the last probably two or three weeks or so, I think that has changed dramatically. Um, there's been a major effort to get people on the phones, uh, get folks volunteering to text and to go out and canvas, you know, in, in a COVID safe manner, of course, um, you know, and to really reach out to friends and do some relational organizing. And I, I've, I've seen the party kick it up a notch, which um, I, I do wish they had done that sooner. Um, but but I think it's good that they are. And I think there's there's definitely more of a sense of urgency to this now than there has been before. And, you know, it's, it's just a matter of all of us talking to everybody we know. Uh, that is actually the best way to get turnout up is, um, I mean, you know, if, if one of your friends hears directly from you, that means a lot more than getting a phone call from some phone banker in, you know, San Francisco or, or you know, in downtown L.A. or wherever um, who doesn't know them um, because you know exactly what sort of messages you can, you know, give to your friends that will resonate with them, right? And then they also trust you and, and trust your judgment so I think that's the most important thing that we all really can do. Everybody that's listening to the show, um, you know, talk to your friends and neighbors and your parents and the people you run into at the hair salon and, and everybody about it. Um, make sure they understand what the stakes are and that, how important it is to vote now. Well, I'm glad you gave us the good news and, uh, you know, hope and positivity about this um, because I've been reading up uh, in the last couple of days. Um, but before I um, go on to the next sort of related topic, if you're just tuning in, uh, this is the uh, the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM, and uh, I am your host, Vic Jarami, and uh, you're listening to my interview with Lindsey Carlson, who is the president of the Heart of LA Democratic Club. So, Lindsey, <laughs> one of the things that scares me, it's like Trump, almost like it's, it's Trump 2.0 is that the the front runner for the Republicans mm-hmm. <laughs> for California a governor if this recall were to happen is is um you know Larry Elder who is just I mean where do I start you know his policies his remarks his uh, disparaging remarks about women about LGBTQ about I mean it's there it just goes on and on yeah um yeah this is a guy who I don't know understood that when you run for public office all the bad stuff you said in the past yeah. and especially the things you say on your radio show or in a book for example um, yeah. will actually come back to haunt you um, you know it's really been interesting kind of watching what's been going on with the, the question two candidates um, on the ballot. And I'm just going to take a, a moment here to address that question two issue. That's something that I'm certainly seeing a lot um, with uh, respect to people that I'm talking to who are not part of the party. The party line on that is just to leave that, that blank. Um, don't even, you know, choose somebody um, for right. question two, because basically all the replacements are in, you know, they're not good. They're not, they wouldn't be good to have in charge of the state. Um, that's definitely resulted in a conversation around, you know, why we don't have a backup. Um, hey, aren't some of these, uh, you know, Republicans worse than others? Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, everybody has to make a decision for themselves with respect to what they want to do for question two. Um, 
you know, there is something to be said about harm reduction, because <laughs> I think <laughs> when we're talking about the Republicans on the ballot, right, I mean, you have, there's basically kind of four of them that, you know, have gained some traction at some level. Um, Larry Elder, of course, being one of, I think the one that's running in the lead of them, probably because of just pure name recognition with respect to his radio show. He's been around for a long time. Um, I have a law school classmate who went full on Trumpy last year. It was kind of um, kind of alarming, frankly. And she's a Larry Elder fan, <laughs> surprisingly. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, so basically he's, you know, he's a mentor to Stephen Miller. He doesn't think there should be a minimum wage. Um, you're right. I mean, he's he's made comments about women that we're easier to manipulate because we don't understand politics. Um, we shouldn't have maternity leave. It's fine if employers discriminate against women who are of reproductive age. Made some comment. I actually, right before I came out of this interview with you, apparently he said something about, you know, smart women just ignore sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, I mean, this is a guy I can't even, he, he wouldn't even be able to pass like a sort of like simple, like, manager training like those things that they put you through if you're in any sort of management role <laughs> human human resources worst nightmare yeah exactly it's like the thing you have to take like by law every couple of years you know to just sort of certify that you understand sexual harassment and like how to report it and i mean he wouldn't even pass that so like he definitely should not be in charge of the state and then i don't know if you saw it too but he also apparently um his ex-fiance he well first of all he made her sign an nda when they broke up which who does that um <sighs> I guess I guess if you're him um, or Trump or, you know, all these other sort of like nefarious men out there. Um, But so she broke the NDA, actually, and talked to Politico. And apparently he brandished a gun at her at one point in time when they were in an argument towards the end of their relationship. So, yeah, this guy's just like totally unfit for public office. And you're right. Like it's there's a reasonable chance that if this recall ends up going through that this guy is going to be our governor, at least for a while. So. I didn't know about that last story, which is alarming. Yeah. But you know what's sort of scary in this post-Trump era? When when we witnessed so much come out of um, Trump before he was elected, I mean, you know, the bus incident on Access right. Hollywood is just one example. And yet the the people who are following them and sort of... Uh, you know, the, the anti-vaxxers and, and they're so brainwashed that they're mm-hmm. willing to ignore and uh, just dismiss all of this. I mean, they have something to say to make an excuse for all of this. So I, you know, before Trump, if you asked me, I would have said Larry Elder is toast. You know, he's going right. to he's going to be like uh, he's going to put his campaign on hold or whatever soon but it just doesn't seem to matter to those that just want a democrat taken down (laughs) i think that's absolutely right i mean there's a lot of anger in politics um you know i mean i think we we see it on our side as righteous anger um you know and on their side it's it there's been you know decades um that brought us to this point um you know and uh yeah, I mean, it definitely it definitely sells. And unfortunately, uh, you know, when you put somebody on the ballot, um, it sells to them. But the people who you're right, you want to just like stick it to fill in the blank. Yeah. You know, whether that's women, LGBTQ people. I mean, it's sort of interesting because Elder is a black man. But, um, you know, I think that also is to some degree some of the attraction uh, that some of these conservatives have. You know, they maybe can feel like they're not being racist or something if they vote for a black man with these abhorrent views. But 
um, I don't know. Um, I, I have a more and more difficult time understanding the other side the further we get down this path at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good thing, the good news, um, sort of changing the topic a little bit, is that the the attempted recall of L.A. District Attorney George Gascon is not uh, really picking up heat or picking yes. up uh, much, uh, you know, energy. And uh, they're having a real hard time. Thank goodness, because uh, yeah. I am a big fan of, of District Attorney Gascon. I think he's uh, one of those, again, one of those exceptional leaders who, you know, he made promises during his campaign and he's kept them and he's he started um, very, very aggressively to uh, do all the reforms and all the changes. And of course, when you are that audacious and proactive, there's going to be a backlash from the other side. But the good thing is that I think so far in half the time that they've had to get signatures, they're about only a third way um, oh, okay. to recall him. Yeah. So that's a good news, but that's that again is is uh, another example of of trying to get yourself into office when you wouldn't be elected uh, in a normal sort of fashion with a regular election, uh, and they're trying to do this with um, with a progressive uh, with a progressive uh, district attorney who's really trying to reform the criminal justice system um, and has already done quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I think I think that's true. Um and I think that, you know, it's not resonating the same way with people. Um, you know, probably in part because, you know, Los, An Los Angeles County is so democratic, right? And I don't know what the sort of end game is, I guess, for these people that are trying to get Gascon recalled. It just seems like they just don't like him. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe there's a perception that he's being too progressive. And, you know, I my, my understanding is that, you know, the rollout of his policies has been a little bit rocky and there's definitely challenges with respect to, um, you know, leading a department of people that some of them are probably pretty skeptical of, of his leadership. Um, and, you know, it's my understanding he's being undermined too by, you know, Sheriff Villanueva, who is awful, um, and, you know, former district attorney as well. So, you know, I, I don't, I think you're right. I don't think that's really gaining a whole lot of steam. There's probably a very, very vocal, but very, very minority group of people who actually want to get guests going removed from office. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that effort to gather the signatures fails. Um, and likewise, you know, it's, I, I think this is something that we're just seeing a lot with particularly progressive um, politicians, even in democratic places, uh, same things happening with the San Francisco DA. Um, right. I really don't know about a lot of the background there, but I do know that there have been a couple of uh, attempts to recall him. That's uh, Chase Boudin, uh, also just recently elected too. I think a bit before Gascon, but um, he, you know, like, there's apparently the first effort they failed to get, gain the signatures, so that's that's dead. But then there's a second effort that's also underway where they're trying to get the signatures. Um, and I think, to my understanding, Boudin is, like, even further left than Gascon is, too. So, mm. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens up in San Francisco. And then locally, there's a couple of city council members, um, basically the two most progressive on the L.A. City Council, Mike Vaughn and, and Nithya Raman. Um, Nithya was also just elected at the same time as Gascon, and immediately the recall efforts began against her, too. Right. Uh, you know, but hopefully hopefully they, that those those things also just sort of peter away and, and yeah. we don't actually see a ballot um for any of them yeah those happen a lot with city council members if you're just tuning in uh this is the uh, 
The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. And uh, I am your host, Vic Jarami. And uh, you're listening to my interview with Lindsey Carlson, who is the president of the Heart of LA Democratic Club. And mm-hmm. the last one is, is I, I truly am a big fan of, of Pete Harden, who's running to be Orange County's next district attorney. Um, okay. And replace um, uh, Spitzer, who's just been for years and years had so many controversial things and so many. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just a big mess, and I don't I don't know why these people stay in office after all these scandals. But uh, I hope that uh, Pete Harden next year I to is is elected for Orange County District Attorney. Yeah, I'll have to look at that more. I'm not really familiar with that race just yet, but um, it sounds very much like he's kind of following the Gascon playbook. Is that basically what what's going on down there? Yeah, he's, yeah exactly. He's very he's very progressive. He is about reform, and he's trying to, you know, fix things that haven't been working. And uh, and uh, you know, he's a former deputy district attorney. He's a you know litigator. Uh, he's a, a war veteran. So, you know, he has tremendous amount of experience behind him and uh you know i've interviewed him and uh you know we'll see we'll see that's that's next year lot lots coming up what is uh before i let you go what what else um should we talking about what should we be talking about (laughs) that's happening not now or coming up soon yeah let's see well i mean there's a lot obviously going on in dc um, not a whole lot we can do about it necessarily right. from California, but I think, you know, you may have seen this, um, that the infrastructure act, uh, there's right. a bipartisan version of it. And then there's also the Democrats version that they're trying to get through on reconciliation. It's sort of an interesting battle because I believe the Senate has passed the bipartisan version. And now Nancy Pelosi has a really tough fight on her hands here because there's essentially a group of, I guess you could say centrist or moderate Democrats that, do not want to um, uh, pass the both of those things together, both the, the Democratic version and the uh, bipartisan version. And then there's the like progressive wing, the sort of AOC folks that say they're not going to vote for the bipartisan bill unless they can also vote on and pass the Democrats only bill. So, right. so it's sort of, you know, and with the, the House being in, Democratic control by just a few votes right now. I think there's there's more than the difference between Democrats and Republicans um, on either side of that. There's more, there I think there's like nine moderates and you know another handful, maybe like eight or something of the progressives at this point. Maybe more than that. I'm not sure. Um, you know, so they kind of need to figure out what that path forward is going to look like. And then of course mm-hmm. the other thing that's very very big um, are the voting rights bills, right? So yes, definitely, you know. The, yeah, the For the People Act, as as it came out of the House, is H.R. 1, and I think it's now Senate File 1, 2. Um, you know, that does not seem to be able to pass the Senate because, of course, you know, of the roadblocks that Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema and probably another, you know, three or four Democratic senators whose names are not known to the public. Um, I think Manchin and Sinema are taking a lot of the fire for, for them, too. Um, you know, don't want to get rid of the filibuster and don't want to make an exception to the filibuster specifically for our voting rights. So, you know, there's a bit of a stalemate happening there. And whether they can pass some version or some portion of the voting rights bill, um, you know, kind of remains to be seen at this point. So but something needs to be done, because as you can see, there's there's all kinds of stuff happening at the state level, particularly in states where there are Republican controlled legislatures and Republican governors. 
um, you know, all kinds of efforts to limit people's voting rights. Um, where there is a divided government, as you have, like in, in Wisconsin, for example, uh, Republicans tried to pass a voter suppression bill, and then Tony Evers vetoed it. So, yeah. you know, this is why we need to also, like, as we're talking about federal elections and, you know, keeping the House and increasing our majority in the Senate um, and, you know, retaining the presidency, we also really need to be paying attention to these, you know, state-level races as well, because that's where a lot of this sort of action happens. And, you know, we need Democratic governors, we need Democratic attorneys general, and we need, you know, Democratic legislatures to the extent that we possibly can. Yeah, so, absolutely. We lost our yeah. supermajority in the House, but thank goodness that we have Speaker Pelosi, who's a master politician and a diplomat who um, right. probably best suited to walk us through this, once again, walk us through this, uh, you know, just very rocky road to um, to inf- to the infrastructure bill, and uh, of course the Senate, as you said, it's just very fragile right now, and the recalls, yeah. and we just have to be aware and uh, you know just be aware and galvanize people and tell, make sure Democrats don't get comfortable, uh, especially yeah. in, even in California, even in this sort of dark blue state. Yeah, haven't we learned that? There's, um, you know, we, I think we all thought we were going to have a little bit of a break this year, but that has really not happened. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, got to keep engaged. No, exactly. Well, Lindsay, is there anything you'd like to add before we go? No, I think that's yeah. it. This has really been a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much for uh, for being on the show, for all your thoughts and experience. And uh, how do people get in touch with um, Heart of LA Democratic Club? Your website? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the easiest thing is to go to our website, www.heartladems.org. Um, and then we actually also, we have a jump page to um, uh, FAQ, uh, Frequently Asked Questions on the recall effort. So if there's anything that, you know, your listeners have any questions about, like, um, specifics relating to timing or how they're getting their ballots or how they should vote, um, you know, there's a, there's a fact that we have um, on our website as well as election information. And then printable signs if anybody wants to print one out and take a selfie and send it to us we'll uh, promote it on our social media as well while they're voting no on the recall um so yeah that's that's probably the best way to get in touch with us oh that's great that's good service um it's heartladems.org that's right uh lindsay thank you again and uh we'll chat soon hopefully all right thanks Vic. all right bye (laughs) bye that was lindsay carlson the president of the heart of la democratic club and definitely one of the most notable uh, leaders in California democratic politics. Uh, Thank you, Lindsay, for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning, and uh, I hope to chat with you again soon. The Blunt Post with Vic. Before we go, I want to thank my extremely talented producer, Ricky Herrera. And, uh, of course, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Blunt Post with Vic. Please tune in next Monday at 7 a.m. for another episode. For more information, you can visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jaramie. Uh, both Instagram and Twitter, my handle is at Vic Jaramie. That's V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Blunt Post with Vic.